0: What wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics, rising authoritarianism, and racial capitalism? And what beauty can we find in our resistance? I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister, and I'm the faith organizing coordinator for showing up for racial justice or surge. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York, here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee peoples. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians. White Christians turning towards other white Christians to talk about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy. And also we believe we have a responsibility to tell a new story about Christianity for white Christian folks. Because our lives, all our lives, depend on it. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado, in December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney-Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I've been so amazed by the episodes in this series, Wrestling with Romans. I think that giving our crew permission to dig into a different way of reading Romans, a different way of understanding Paul, has really resulted in some incredible work here. If you're new to the series, I highly recommend you go back to the beginning and catch up. The beginning would be the June 11th episode, Participants in the Promise, which also happened to be for me, but I promise I'm not just promoting myself here. I've been mightily impressed by what our whole crew is doing here this summer, and I hope you are too. Each week, we are wading deeper into Paul's arguments about God's sovereignty over against the Roman Empire's perceived sovereignty, and Paul, who is still and ever Jewish, calling to task the Roman members of the Christ-following assembly in Rome who, as Neil Elliott says, have begun to adopt the ideological perspective of the Roman Empire which is imposing Rome's hierarchy of peoples on the gathering with Romans at the top and Jewish folks and particularly Judean Jewish folks at the bottom and taking on the values that perpetuate the accumulation of power and prestige that drives the exploitation and violence of the Roman Empire. Even with that orientation front and center, it can still be hard to hear quote-unquote here, a different reading of Romans when we just read the text. So I want to name that so that when I read this week's lectionary reading, you're not wondering why it doesn't sound like what I just said really at all. (laughs) That was definitely my experience when I read it. There are so many layers of interpretive history laid on top of this letter, so many layers of interpretive history embedded in our very bodies. It's a lot to sort through. At any rate, here's this week's reading with just a touch of additions to the NRSV for clarity and for expansive understandings of gender. Romans eight twelve to 25 So then, siblings, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you Gentiles did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we Jews and Greeks say, Abba, parent, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we Jews and Greeks are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will but by the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. What if I told you your body is beautiful? What if I told you your body is beautiful? What if I told you your body is beautiful just the way it is, curvy, soft, bendy, sore, limited, aching, anxious, joyful, trans, strong, Black, brown, pinkish, queer, straight, muscly, small, stretchy, dizzy, still, menopausal, fat, bony, tired, puzzling, sick, freckled, hairy, groaning, pleasurable, beautiful. 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 Just the way it is. Just the way you are. What if I told you God thinks your body is beautiful? What if I told you that God actually cares about our bodies, cares about what makes us hurt, cares about what brings us pleasure? What if I told you that God wants our bodies to be well tended to? To be nourished protected and loved and sheltered right here, right now? What if I told you that it pisses God off, that oppression harms our bodies, that empires rely on the exploitation of our bodies, human bodies, creature bodies, creation's bodies, that it pisses God off that empires build their power and wealth off the suffering of our very bodies, the exhaustion of our bones, the degradation of our nervous systems, the blood and sweat of our skin. What if I told you that God wants our bodies to be free from that suffering right here, right now? That when Paul writes about the redemption of our bodies, that's what he means. He means that our bodies will be saved from the exploitation and repression the Roman Empire relies on to build and maintain its wealth and power. And that our bodies will be saved soon. So soon. That the endurance and patience waiting and waiting are only because Paul thinks Jesus is coming again to inaugurate this new reality like tomorrow. Or at least in Paul's own lifetime, which is to say he expects to experience this new reality in his own living body. It's not an endurance and patience and waiting until we die and get to heaven. It's so close, Paul can taste it. This corrupt regime cannot continue. God has to be in charge of all of it. Gentiles and Jews coming together in unity and solidarity in community is part of what makes that reality possible. Oh, taste and see. What if I told you that the suffering that we experience is in fact the condemnation of this corrupt imperial order? That the groaning we feel, that we cry out in multiple languages of multiple nations, is information from our bodies, is both the testimony that this unjust order cannot continue and the proof that something else is possible. Something else, something better is about to be born. That groaning is the work of our bodies. Not the bodies of death living according to the ways of Rome, but the bodies in tune with the spirit of God and what God actually yearns and longs for, for us. Freedom, redemption, glory, family, which is to say community, which is to say that division which exists to perpetuate dominating power is abolished. That groaning from our very bodies, from creation's very body, because creation is subjected to that exploitation too. That groaning, Paul says, is the evidence of the spirit at work, which is to say that our groaning is spirit. Our groaning is holy, is sacred, which is is to say this embodied outcry against our suffering is holy, is sacred. Which is to say that our bodies, our bodies that are wise enough to groan against our suffering under exploitative conditions, are holy, are sacred. What if I told you our bodies are beautiful? What if I told you our bodies are holy, are sacred, are wise, are blessed, that God loves them? And the wildest of all possible things, Paul loves them too. I did not grow up hearing that Paul loved my body, and I bet you didn't either. <laughs> We're taught that Paul teaches us that our bodies are, at best, just shameful things to be endured. That they get us into trouble. That our bodies are sinful. That desire is sinful. That to not have a cis dude body is sinful. That to eat and enjoy and have pleasure in our bodies is to live according to the flesh. That the redemption of our bodies means, like, what does that even mean if our bodies are sinful? Other than some kind of utterly disembodied, tasteless, smellless, joyless existence. Nowhere in our sacred stories does God say that this is what they want for us. God wants good, rich food for us, shelter for us, cool drinks of water for us. Music and singing and dancing for us, the best wine for us, rest for us, love and warmth and companionship for us, for our bodies, for creation's body. Our bodies is where spirit lives. That's literally what Paul is saying here. Our bodies is where spirit lives. And not like in a little container somewhere sealed off from what our bodies actually do, but the Spirit lives in our embodiment, in what our bodies actually do. In our bones, our bellies, our limbs, our brains, our breath, our tears, our pain, our throats. We cry out names for God in multiple languages with voices generated from our bodies. And Paul says that is Spirit. The suffering, the literal pain in our bodies caused by exploitation is evidence of a different reality that is possible, that is glorious. Our groaning is the wisdom of our bodies vocalizing in sound what kind of world we are longing for. Do we hear how important bodies are? Do we hear how our bodies are sacred sites for the activity of spirit? Do we hear how the act of our bodies crying out in our suffering in these conditions of exploitation is seen and heard and acted upon by God because God cares about our bodies? Our bodies aren't saved because our bodies are bad. No. Our bodies are saved, redeemed because our bodies are precious to God. But to the empire, our bodies are sights are targets of exploitation and violence, like lambs to imperial slaughter. And that, that suffering, is what we're being saved from. Who does it benefit to claim that Paul teaches us to hate our bodies? That our bodies don't matter? That all that matters is to intellectually assent to some doctrines and wait for heaven, no matter what is happening to our bodies right here, right now. Who does it benefit to separate us from our own tender, fleshy bodies that tell us there is something better than this present time? Empires that rely on exploitation and violence to accumulate power and wealth benefit from us thinking our bodies don't matter. If we're taught we're just meant to suffer, that our bodies are just means to an imperial capitalist end, and even worse, that our bodies are sinful, shameful, it makes our bodies so much easier to exploit. We're not meant to feel joy or pleasure or to even want those things. So it's an imperial reading of Paul that claims that Paul hates bodies. If anything, Paul hates what empires do to bodies. The way that empires, as Reverend Liz said a couple of weeks ago, saturate our bodies with imperial ways of being. So that even when we don't want to, we're embodying empire. Or as Brigitte said last week, the way empires use mind trickery that convinces us to wear imperial flesh to reenact the domination and division that make empires run. And Paul hates the suffering that exploitation and other forms of imperial violence cause. Paul says so many times in Romans that Rome, that what does, that what Rome does to our bodies is wrong. Paul says so many times in Romans that what Rome does to our bodies is wrong. We don't suffer because our bodies are bad. We suffer because our bodies are meant for goodness and joy and pleasure and rest. And we literally cry out from our own bodies when we are not allowed those things. And that outcry is spirit because God loves our bodies. God loves our bodies. And getting free includes our bodies. And all throughout Romans, Paul makes clear that how we get free, how we embody that alternative reality that is coming, that is both so close we can hear the labor pains, and also is right here, right now. How we obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God is in how we care for one another's bodies is in how we love one another's bodies. Hear, feel, taste, see, smell the good news. Your body is beautiful. God loves your body. Our bodies are beautiful. God loves our bodies. Our bodies are so, so beautiful good, however they may be. Courage, sisters, don't get weary. Courage, courage, brothers, don't get weary. Courage, people, don't get weary. Your call to action this week is... To love on your body, whatever that means to you. I myself am having a massage later today. (laughs) For you, maybe it's relishing good food or snuggling up with a beloved or a sweet pet. Maybe it's good sex. Maybe it's just closing your eyes and giving yourself 10 minutes of rest. Maybe it's paying attention to the groaning in you that is information about what is not right in this present time. Maybe pick up Adrienne Marie Brown's book, Pleasure Activism, and find some new practices for loving your body and our collective of bodies. Your body is beautiful. Find a way to enjoy that good news. Beloveds, thanks as always for joining us from wherever you are on this good earth. We'd love to hear from you, especially from folks of color and non-Christian folks, by filling out the listener survey on our podcast page at surge.org and give us a like or rate us on itunes spotify or wherever you listen to our podcast you can find out more about surge at surge.org s-u-r-j dot and our podcast lives on soundcloud search on the word is resistance transcripts are available as well on our website which include references resources and action links And we'll be back next week with a resistance word from Sharon Fenema as we continue on in our amazing, if I may say so, Wrestling with Romans series. And of course, a huge thanks, as always, to our sound editor this week, Claire Hitchens. Blessings to you in all that you do to resist injustice and in all that you do to build up a new world. Love and liberation, beloveds. Love and liberation. Until next time. I'm Rev. Anne Dunlap.